It's a bitch hunt. 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 Remember Little League Baseball? Do I ever? Yes. Yes, I do. Little League Baseball in Northfield was a... It was an absolute joy. I still pine for it, the days of Seckler Park. I do, too. I've tried to capture that magic, and I have actually gone back to Seckler Park and played in Church League softball. Well, it's fun. It's just... It's not the same. We're all... Was every single day magical for you, though, Jacob? In Little League Baseball? Yeah. Uh, Were there any as a not matter so of fact, days? there was one very non-magical day in Little League Baseball. So, when I was in Little League Baseball, I was never much of a hitter. And the one thing that I prided myself on in my offensive game is the fact that I rarely, as in almost never, struck out. Like, I was a, I was a pretty solid contact hitter, but I mostly hit ground balls, the, the odd line drive every once in a while. Um, but like, I, I took a ton of pride in the fact that I, I rarely struck out and I almost always at least got the bat on the ball, but there was one particular game and I don't remember, uh, exactly what age it was. Um, but it must've been fairly early on in coach pitch, uh, because for the listeners out there who don't know, Luke has two older twin brothers, uh, Nick and Jake, who were, Phenomenal athletes and very large, not like girth wise, but just like they they were like tall and formidable pretty early on. They weighed upwards of three hundred pounds each in three fifty in seven uh, seven feet tall. Yeah, seven feet tall by the age of twelve. <laughs> My goodness, they were big boys. Um, but units. there was absolute units. Uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, there was one particular bullshitty year uh, <laughs> where, so our, our little league had a draft system, uh, which is kind of fucked up in retrospect. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, if but, if you were a sibling, you could get right. bundled in, <laughs> into one draft pick. Right. So, and since Luke's two older brothers were probably the two best players in little league at the time, and Luke was like top 10 like he was an amazing baseball player it made it even more bullshit so obviously they were the the trio was picked uh, as the number one overall pick and so they were all on the same team which is just absurd um but i faced off against i remember facing off against that team and i mean this was probably like what what year did co- or did uh kid pitch start uh, maybe sixth like grade fourth grade Okay, so machine pitch was fourth grade, I think. Okay, yeah, maybe fifth or sixth grade. So this was, you know, we were the three of us would have been, uh, you know, ten, eleven, twelve years old, and Luke's brothers would have been two years older than that. Um, and so all three of them were on the same team, and I I had been looking forward to this game because (laughs) I really wanted to to face off against Luke and his brothers because you know we played yeah we played wiffle ball together all the time. And I could hold my own in wiffle ball with them. <laughs> uh, but baseball is a less forgiving sport. And so I, I don't remember the sequence that it was in, uh, but I am fairly sure 
that I had three at bats in that game, one against each of the <laughs> Ramsey brothers. Uh, I'm not sure that I saw more than nine pitches, and I struck out all three times, <laughs> which literally literally brought me to tears. Like I I remember going into that. I think the last bat at bat was against Luke, and I figured that I would at least have a chance against him because he was a great pitcher. But like his brothers were just like they were like the Randy Johnsons of our league. Like nobody was touching them. <laughs> they weighed six hundred I mean, pounds units. collectively. <laughs> they weighed collectively six hundred pounds. They were big 14, units, fourteen foot tall. Um, but yeah, that that last at bat was like especially personal because you know obviously it, uh, I knew Luke a lot better than his brothers, although I was around his brothers all the time. And I just I had that like extra little bit of motivation. And I went into the bat knowing that like I I just couldn't strike out, and it like it broke my soul being <laughs> struck out by all three Ramsey brothers in one game. And it's something that I carry with me to this very day. <laughs> you'd be think of the man you'd be today if that hadn't happened. What if you'd hit three home runs instead? <laughs> I would be in the major league. I have no doubt that I would be in the major leagues. Not probably not as a hitter because I couldn't have, I couldn't have hacked it, but well, definitely as a pitcher, a pinch yeah, runner. You've always been even even to this day. We all know that you're particularly talented at pitches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And speaking now, that of would be a great pitches, s- well, you know, we could speak of pitches, sports. as in make that a beautiful segue. But I did want to talk about Will's pitching style. Oh yes, <laughs> which was revolutionary in in little league. <laughs> You want to you want to talk about it a little bit, Will? Uh, I mean, the thing is, like, I would just felt like I was doing my own thing, man. Like, I <laughs> I didn't. I I was not a very good pitcher. Um, you had control for this issues. Very reason. <laughs> yeah. For this very reason, I think. <laughs> for this, definitely for this reason. But I really wanted to make it work, and but I, I want to know how it was received amongst you because you know I just was just trying to make it work. Like I I was very focused on my own thing, <laughs> you know. It was it was super unique, and I I think uh, it's fair to say that Will was probably the only submarine style pitcher in Little League baseball in in Northfield at the time. And and the thing is, like like Luke said, there were control issues, but Will could like he could throw a ball from center field to the catcher submarine style like his submarine style it wasn't it wasn't exclusive to when he was pitching and like it was one of the most amazing things to see will playing the outfield and just like submarine in a throw and you think like what is this goofy motherfucker doing and he would just like wail it all the way in i i still i don't understand how you did it it was crazy because I, I think that I just like really my muscles, you know, when you use certain groups of muscles, the other ones don't work as well. And I just yeah. I was profoundly uncomfortable actually throwing over my shoulder. Uh-huh. So I just I, you know, I I kind of I mean, I later went on to play a lot of Frisbee and and yeah, and and it's a good point. Like, I think that it just. I, I really liked I thought that was a more natural movement for me. I think that there are like actual physiological I mean amongst like forty year old professional yeah, pitchers, but that's like there really are actual, the only time you see it. <laughs> there are actual like downsides to pitching <laughs> overhand. There even are, though I mean, you can look, get way, way more power. Look at softball pitchers. They don't need yeah. off days. They can <laughs> pitch like full games. One softball team can have one single pitcher. And that's it. And they whip it, they whip dude. It. 
Like they whip it. Do they whip it as hard as Will? Is scary. Yes, but <laughs> Pro- Will's probably <laughs> harder than Will. No disrespect yeah. to Will, but well, I, no. I remember having like some weird private realization, <laughs> probably toward the end of my little league years, where I I did actually start pitching overhand a little bit, and I was like, "Wow, you can pitch way more accurately." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. Like it's so much easier. You do gain the accuracy, but. It's at the expense of your elbow. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and I think that's the main thing is that it's a lot better. It's a lot. It puts a lot less stress on your elbow when you pitch underhand. Probably also, more pressure on your shoulder, but just like kind of in a different way, one that you don't normally use as much. So maybe that's the reason that it preserves your your throwing. Yeah, arm. I don't know. I was also like deep into the psychological game. Like I really, <laughs> I, I knew that if I could actually master the control of the submarine pitch, yeah. it would just, it would fuck with kids. Like they just would not be able to do it. Like yeah, it would, it would yeah, they the would, game. they would, I would be untouchable because they just wouldn't know where to see, like they wouldn't know where to look for, you know? Yeah. Well, and in little league baseball, like I was a left-handed hitter and that alone was enough to like throw teams into a panic. And like, that's a pretty common thing. Like, you know, the entire defensive strategy would change. Like, people would be running around like chickens with their cut, heads cut <laughs> yeah. off when a left-handed batter came up to play it. So seeing somebody on the mound throwing submarine style and also, <laughs> like, the, 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 the bare fact- minimum of competency. You threw hard, <laughs> no, too. You yeah, weren't just lobbing hard, them in and, there. And the thing is, also, pitchers with control issues, that adds, like, a serious intimidation factor. Because there's yeah. a real risk that you might get drilled by a pitch. I, I think I did probably strike out one or two. <laughs> I didn't pitch very often. I was really, really into, like, center field and later, like, second base. I, I kind of like to be in the middle of the... You were the you were the classic, like, super speedy uh, defensive player. I mean, yeah, you I mean, were a really good player. You were a much, much better hitter than I ever was. I mean, was. it was the kind of thing I like. I probably could steal every single, like, just steal yeah. my way around. You the could steal home, no like, problem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that, but <laughs> there's a little bit of Pete Wheeler to your game. Yeah, I was definitely a real life Pete Wheeler, <laughs> but add in the brains. So, I mean, you were unstoppable. <laughs> Well, thanks. That's extremely flattering, and the listeners didn't get the wrong idea that I was good at baseball. I really, the I think the one uh, peak of me doing well in baseball was when, I, like, I went on a travel tournament with yeah. a team that like was not like nearly as good as any of the other teams like we just got completely blown out in every single game (laughs) but there was one like i think one game where like there were only like two uh runs in the entire game and i was those two runs on our team and like i hit a triple or something which was and it was like it was like i i always really wanted to hit a home run over the fence like and i never ever (laughs) actually was able to do it in my little league but the one time that i came close like i hit it extremely hard in this tournament but it was at a hot like a a larger sized baseball (laughs) stadium so i didn't actually like I, i i hit it probably like like almost feet. 300 feet <laughs> <laughs> not that but it was it was probably like almost 300 feet that i hit this motherfucker and that would have been well out of malto meal field yeah it would have been well out of malto meal well out of college city bev well well yeah uh I, if you guys haven't gotten the the gist yet we're doing baseball movies mm. and only baseball movies. no that's not true <laughs> 
We're doing sports <laughs> films. It might be We're about baseball. Sports films. And as it turns out, mine is about baseball. So can I just oh. go ahead? Yeah, just yeah. go for it while we're in the while we're primed. You you, know? I'd like to point out that you lied to me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I did <laughs> lie to you. Broke up the flow. You lied My to me. My film about isn't what your about pitch was going to be about volleyball. But if you're not listeners, there will be a volleyball pitch. So at least for part of the pitch. My movie is kind of in the styling of Space Jam, in the sense that oh. it follows an actual athlete playing themselves. Excellent. Oh, okay, I was gonna ask if there are cartoons in it. No cartoons. But okay, well, that's kind of a critical part of space. You know Jam. what we do have? Ichiro do Suzuki. Have... Oh, oh yes. Now the man, yes. the myth, the legend. A lot of people in this world, if they're gonna follow any professional sport, the one they'll know the least about is baseball. So maybe Jacob with your vast baseball knowledge, could just briefly explain who Ichiro is and why he's significant? Sure. So Ichiro Suzuki is uh, a Japanese-born baseball player. He was one of the biggest stars uh, of the Japanese league in his younger days. Uh, And in, I believe, 2001, he came over to the United States. He was one of the most hyped uh, international prospects in a very, very long time. Um, his common, I mean, his, his real, his trademarks were, I would say threefold. He hit for an absurdly high average. He was crazy fast and he had an absolute cannon of a right arm. Um, and so for, for those reasons combined, he was a super popular player in major league baseball from, from the get go. Uh, he brought a, because he came to Seattle, there was a, a huge, uh, Japanese and, and Asian following for him there became a beloved player almost instantly, uh, became the second player in Major League Baseball history, I think, to win MVP and Rookie of the Year in his first season. I could be wrong. I know that Fred Lynn did it in 1975, but now I'm not sure that Ichiro actually did it. <laughs> but in any case, uh, he came into the league, was one of, if not the best, contact hitters in the league f- from his very first day. Um, won numerous batting titles, set the record for uh, most hits uh, in a single season, which I believe he had 262 hits one year, which is insane. Uh, batted 372 one year. He he was just he was an absolute stud, and it's just a, such a fun player to watch. Um, yeah, he has this like incredibly weird aesthetic style too. Yeah, um, in that he like would kind of he would he'd wrap he'd in his wind up he'd kind of wrap his his base, his, hitting, hitting his bat ar- around yeah. uh sort of and then he would like point it out almost like he was calling the shot right mm-hmm. and then he would like pluck his pluck his, his shoulder he was, he was yeah. the pluck the shoulder plucker yeah. and then he and then and then also i think part of his slap hitting style is he would start running the bases like mm-hmm. almost like pre like he would pre guess that he was going to hit the ball right. and he would start running the bases before he hit the ball, which is absurd. Like, I don't understand how you actually can get that muscle memory, No, but he, he was just, he, he would like almost like one handedly reach out and slap that ball and start like already be like two steps down the base path, which he didn't need because he was already like one of, if not the fastest players in the league but he yeah he got absurd numbers of infield hits for that reason yeah but if you if you don't know ichiro uh just take a second do yourself a favor and watch like 
go search on YouTube for a compilation because he is one of the most fun baseball players to watch. Even if you don't like baseball, ever. he's fun to watch. Even if you don't like baseball, he is an artist with the with the bat. So it kind of goes without saying, he is one of the biggest things to ever come out of Japan, right? No doubt. Another one of the biggest things to ever come out of Japan, Godzilla. Mario. Oh. <laughs> so in this film, Ichiro retires from baseball, which just happened. It just happened, amazingly. Even though he has a couple more years left in him, because he has a second duty. <laughs> and that second duty is defending Japan from kaiju. <laughs> That's right. Ichiro oh my God. is one of the Japanese government's most deadly kaiju hunters. <laughs> now, is this affiliated in any way with the Pacific Rim universe? It's... I mean, it's similar in the sense that he's fighting giant Godzilla creatures. Right. But it right. Well, does he do it at the with the aids of mech suits? No. Ishiro doesn't need a mech suit. He doesn't need a mech suit. His body is a mech suit. A flesh mech suit. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to the assistance that he does need very right. shortly, but for the most part, Jacob's right. <laughs> so he quits baseball when he learns that there's this big old lizard about to rip uh. Tokyo to shreds. And the first phase of this is that He's kind of like a kaiju detective. He's basically the Aragorn of modern Japan. Oh my god. In the god. sense that he's a tracker extraordinaire. Inject this movie straight <laughs> into my veins. So he's like it's hitting all the right notes. He's like looking at footprints through a magnifying glass, even though they're gigantic footprints. And <laughs> <laughs> he's for some reason also on horseback. Chasing it, oh, like man. going footprint to footprint, <laughs> and he has a baseball bat in a sheath on his back. Oh. <laughs> does he have a satchel that's full of baseballs too? He does. Yeah, he can fire like arrows. He does with his mighty arm. So he finally, after a prolonged search, catches up with Godzilla, and at this point, he uses a concoction of his own invention. Called Ichi Grow Soup. Oh. <laughs> it's a soup that makes Ichiro grow. Oh, a soup? Ichigro soup. Yep. <laughs> he made nice. it himself. <laughs> so he eats this soup, gets real big, and for some reason his baseball bat also gets really big. That's just how Ichigro soup works. Oh, sure. sure. And yeah. the baseballs sure. get big as well. Fantastic. And he starts doing battle with this monster and he's doing an okay job of keeping the kaiju on the outskirts of tokyo so that destruction is limited but there's something he didn't account for godzilla has buddies Ooh. oh precisely eight buddies <laughs> oh so what a convenient number of buddies yeah ichiro <laughs> he can only take the big dog godzilla sure which means he needs to call in some help. So Oh boy. He phones in to the dugout where there are just conveniently eight other people, all of which are professional baseball players. Oh boy. All of which play a different position. And soon they oh. have an entire squad 
of Boy. baseball players, all of whom consume some Ichigro soup. <laughs> and now we now have a full have team to... of baseball players using their specialized skills on the field to defeat these kaiju. That's amazing. It's fantastic. My my only question is, does he have to tweak the soups uh, so that they complement the particular skills that each of these players possess? Well, I have a little secret for you. Uh, yeah. The soup is just anabolic steroids. <laughs> <laughs> is that drinkable? Uh, I think at the very least that wouldn't taste very good. That's Ichiro's genius. He's the first guy who figured out, just drink it, you know? Just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> and also make it tasty so that you're not just drinking like gross chemicals yeah see i think i think the the opportunity you have there is to have a special blend of herbs and spices that he cooks up <laughs> for each specific player because anabolic steroids uh you know they have some very specific effects and some very notable uh un- unfortunate side effects shall we say hashtag <laughs> shrinkage hashtag shrinkage so we got a lot of Godzilla-sized athletes with right baby carrot-sized well, genitalia. I, we don't have to, we don't have to go into that. I guess <laughs> there's no reason to bring that up. We can well, just assume we, we that. were about to go through an episode without mentioning peni. So that's true. It would be off-brand. Yeah, uh, we're not even close to being done with this episode. Well, that's a good <laughs> <point>. <laughs> and actually, my pitch is all about penises. Okay, so. good. Well, uh. That's really all there is to this. It's just a giant brawl. And oh man though, but what a brawl. What a brawl. I love it. Now, it's a bench would you have any, brawl. any interest? Would you have any interest in uh in casting at least some of the rest of this team? I was going to and then I ran out of time. So <laughs> you can. Well, you you want a little help? Yeah. I, I feel like in. it would it would take me like an hour to do yeah, this. Yeah, also I feel like our listeners won't know who these there, players are potentially. There've got to be some. There've got to be some baseball heads out there. We could just use big names. You know what? Forget it. Whatever. <laughs> Jacob really wants this fantasy fantasy baseball team. I do. <laughs> on the on the heels of uh, an unfortunate day in my fantasy baseball team, in which I've forgotten that the Tampa Bay Rays are good this year, and so two days in a row I've picked up pitchers who are facing them. Oh dear. I need, I need a. I need a pick me up. Um. So, so we'll my, just go my through. One question. My one question, Luke, is uh, where, like, what is the set piece for this big game? Like, is this happening in, in like, in the city, and they're they're having to like dodge s- screaming traffic and and buildings and stuff, or are they have they found some like giant baseball stadium that the J- Japanese government has fashioned for this brawl or whatever? Well, Ichigo Soup has made everyone so big that nothing can contain them. <laughs> Even skyscrapers are just little specks beneath their feet. Whoa. whoa okay, so we're whoa. we're talking like real big scale here. Their heads may be in outer space. They keep <laughs> oh Ichi my. growing. We're talking about like make the moon in Katamari Damase. So that's kind of. that's the thing. Or, they they save the world, but they grow so large that they're just suddenly in outer space and they all die. But that's the sacrifice they make. <laughs> well, that's honestly, the sacrifice they choose to make. I guess that could be the sacrifice they choose to make, but there could be a slightly more uplifting part where, you know, they just keep growing and somehow Godzilla gets his hands on some of the Ichigo too, so he just keeps growing. Oh, and they, it gets to the point where uh, it's the analogous situation of which it's the bottom of the ninth inning in this 
in this uh, movie, and they realize that uh, the last resort is to oh, take wait, those wait. big old bats they have. We're, uh, I yeah. thought you were going to say the last resort is to get a... Uh, what's his name? I don't know. I don't know what his name is. I don't know who you're talking about. Michael Jordan? Nah. The the, the little guy from Moneyball. Oh, Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. Get him in there to run some the stats. <laughs> they could do that. I was going with a, like a more a more simple and tactile thing, which would be to uh, use the moon as the last baseball and crack a dinger right into Godzilla's face and send him mm. hurtling into the sun. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. Moneyball would be great. <laughs> you can't really end this movie the wrong way. Equally great, yeah. <laughs> we got we got a real good old-fashioned slugfest, and everybody's going to leave happy, except for the part where they all die because they went into space without spacesuits. That's true. But that's the price you pay? That's, that's the, price the price you pay. They were willing to pay to save the Earth. Well, Luke, I absolutely love this. And I'm a little bummed out that it's still in its pitch form. It hasn't been picked up by a studio yet. Well, I'll get in contact with Ichiro and see what he thinks about it. I feel like he'd be on board for that. I'll get in contact in his- with the MLB network, see if we can make it a straight-to-TV film. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, might be the first straight-to-TV yeah. film from MLB network. But why, why strive for straight-to-TV? I want to see that on the big screen, Luke. I want to see it projected on the moon. Ooh, if that's mm. not a marketing campaign, then I don't know what is. All right, let's let's ship that straight to the moon. Ha! Uh, Bye. Nice. Is it Willie's turn? It's Willie's turn. Go right ahead, Willie. All right. So, uh, this sports movie is is this one this one goes out to Jacob, my my good friend. Oh man, uh, I'm feeling so loved. Because he didn't get to star in his movie last episode. <laughs> so um uh, <laughs> the, the the it's not actually going to be starring Jacob, but it's going to be uh. someone with a quality that Jacob had, which I thought was uh something truly special, um wow. which was my growing up um he had three belly buttons. Jacob <laughs> Luke, that's well, supposed to be a secret. I don't want I'm, that on the podcast. <laughs> it's not my fault oh, you record worry, shirtless, Jacob. <laughs> uh, no, what I was going to say is that Jacob, he did excel at baseball very much, but I think especially later on, you know, when we were in high school, he didn't do a lot of organized sports. True dad. And, and, and wasn't, didn't really fancy himself like a conventional ath- athlete jock kid at our high school. But he was always extremely good at like everything, every random game. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like I I was gonna say something derogatory, which is fake sports. Um, but I think random game is I'll is maybe that. a more PC way of saying. I'll, I'll it. take either of those. <laughs> he was extremely good at badminton. He was extremely good at bowling. And I've never seen him play darts, but you can bet he'll beat you. Uh, yeah, and, no, and probably not. <laughs> and and he was also extremely good at the sport which my sports movie is going to be about which is foursquare oh, oh yeah he really was. dog yeah he was you dog so we're gonna have we're gonna have a jacob like main character main protagonist who's not really into these 
other sports, doesn't make the team, maybe. Um, Jacob n- didn't not make the team. <laughs> no, we're, I, I, we're, I physically did not make the baseball team in ninth grade. I'm very salty about it. Well, we're, we're divorcing this from we're, we're divorcing this now from Jacob and his baggage, and we're just talking about our protagonist. <laughs> and that's um, uh, this this guy. He he hasn't um, had the best of luck with organized sports, but uh, he decides. So, kind of in a in a peak of, of saltiness, he decides to start his own Foursquare League, and. You know, kids kind of make fun of him at first, but he gets this sort of ragtag group of people to really like get this this league going. And then it turns out that there's like this intramural, like inter school district cabal of of like underground Foursquare playing that that he <laughs> he suddenly walks into. Like he he under he's like, wow, there's actually like a really deep world here, and so he he has to like fight to the top of his four square game. And I think that like, I I want it to be like very smartly shot and like with a lot of like table talk. Um, you know, it'd be cool if it was filmed in the square aspect ratio (laughs) that television was for such a long time. So you could have overhead shots that are only like perfectly fit to the square. Well, and I mean, <laughs> people are watching it in the theater, and it, there's that disclaimer that's like, "This film has been formatted to fit your theater." <laughs> Just all stretchy. <laughs> and I feel like if, if you uh, if you're doing a, a four square movie, you got to have some of those classic shots where you got the four letter boxes. Oh, oh yeah, and you definitely. maybe see the the face of each competitor in one of the boxes. That yeah, could be the way yes, that you style. Yes, yes the way you yes. style the actual oh. games. But, like, I think that, like, why I want this to be smart is, like, I think that you could really take Foursquare seriously as a sport in this sports movie and make it, like, really, um, make it really deep on the strategy front. Because there is, like, a lot of ways, there's there's more than one way to get to the king square. Let's put it that way. There sure is. And there are just many different types of kings. And there, yeah, there are equally as many ways to, to hold on to that king right. kingmanship, you know? Um, and, and, and you can also talk about like how there's some sort of dirty styles of players who are always like calling, you know, all those, those things that you had to call, like you throw it up and you clap, yeah, cherry, oh, bomb. Yeah. You cherry bombing, which mm-hmm. is just bullshit in retrospect. Like, holy shit. They were so much fun. As um, a, I love the cherry they bomb. They were fun, <laughs> but I love as trying a, to as feel a true, the cherry bomb. As a true and righteous king, I would always outlaw cherry bombs. If if I was just to throw one piece of strategy in there, I, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret that might not be a secret to you. But my my real uh, the way that I try to get to king the king position and keep it cheating is <laughs> cheating straight up. <laughs> no, is to play to everybody else's egos. Ah, you got to yeah. play. You got to play each competitor. You got to learn each competitor. Learn what gets to them. And most importantly, learn how to flatter them. And I think that was one of my greatest skills uh, as a four-square player, is I would try to get people onto my side. Court so, politics. So, yeah, oh, totally. It's, it's you know, it's four-square is 90% politics, uh, 10% hand-eye coordination. And uh, what you got to do, you got to flatter everybody. You got to make everybody realize that when you're king, you are a, a just king. You're a king that oh, will course, not yeah. pull the kind of rules that are made to fuck everybody else over. And you have to seed these uh, or uh, plant these seeds of discord uh, about your, your main rivals. So uh, often in Foursquare, I played a lot of Foursquare when I was in 
YPT Young People's Theater. And our, our good friend Ted was always also a formidable Foursquare player. So I would always try try to try to get everybody else to turn against Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I, and anybody else who, who challenged my throne. That Ted And that was that was the Of all people, I feel like Ted would have taken that extremely personally. Oh, he must dear, have just yeah. hated your guts in those moments. He did. He yeah. Yeah, he, he wasn't happy about that because he I think he caught on to that fact. But, you know, people are fickle and people can be manipulated. <laughs> this sounds really kind of dark, but it's true. No, but seriously, and, and I think that, like, you're going to get various styles of play. You're going to get an opportunity for some real heels, some oh, real, yeah. um, real bad folk. And also, like, I feel like if you're going to have an underground Foursquare world, like, you could really sort of model it off of other spectator sports like you could have commentators who are like like and like color commentators who are talking about certain hot players you know in the game and and you could have like like um uh stats you know like i might introduce some like four square stats of like how frequent like what your like most frequent or average like final position is before you get out or like can there also be like like, high stakes gambling oh man most definitely and rigged matches you know, and on the stats front, of course, you know, exit velocity, spin rate, things that are very hot in baseball right now, very applicable to, to Foursquare. Because, <laughs> you know, you got your you got your classic bruiser who uh, just wails on the ball every time, and then you got your finesse players. There's there's just, there's yeah. a lot more to the sport of Foursquare. You got that, some people like, there's some saber metrics, some Foursquare saber oh, yeah. metrics, people the really bil- ca- the carrying James. those zeros and cracking the numbers, you know. <laughs> gotta like, carry those and, zeros. And like... Yeah, I think that also, like, it, not only will it be, like, very, sm- like, smart and I'll have a lot of, uh, like, voiceover, like, talking, explaining the game and, like, how to play it well, but also as he, de- like, dives deeper into this world of Foursquare, like, it's gonna, like, reality is sort of gonna fall away. Like, the, the Foursquare courts that they go to are gonna be more and more crazy, and, like, there's gonna be, like, smoke machines and strobe lights and stuff, and it's just gonna get, like, really, really, like, like, just a big fucking deal with, like, right. a lot riding on the line, you know? Yeah. It, like, it's gonna be that sort of movie. It's a, a little a little ridiculous, but right. very fun, and you're, and with people who you really respect and root for, you know? <laughs> So, in Jacob's world, we have the formidable <laughs> opponent, who is Ted. Do we have a Ted-like foe, who the main character has to I, rise against? I think... Because Ted well, has that, some that, great that, characteristics. He's incredibly smart, right? He's playing yes, chess yeah. out there, not Foursquare. Right. Um, yeah. He was also, like, pretty athletic and masculine from a young age, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, his defining characteristic, well, not his defining characteristic, but one defining characteristic of his is, of course, his luxurious chest of hair. He was the first person. Yeah. The first person ever to have chest hair. First person ever to have chest <laughs> it hair. It was Ted, <laughs> Ted and then Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. So I think you might want to have Sean Connery. Open your eyes, people. Nobody had chest hair before Ted. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that's a good question though. Who who would you cast? Well, in that so role? like I think um, I you you've you've got me going down a couple routes because I think that there's going to be like a big heel who's like 
like hot shit and he's on sort of he's from a different town that's maybe like been doing this for a while you know and like is really like of the world and these people are sort of coming to the world you know right. he's more of an insider and they're outsiders and 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 so there's going to be that big boss man at the end but i think that there's also going to be more of a ted like figure who's kind of like i can't remember the cast of the social network but like isn't it like Andrew Garfield yeah. to uh, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg. Eisenberg Zuckerberg who gets like kind of fucked, you know, like right. he's like, he's like a good friend, but then ambition sort of gets in the way. And um, I think that there's going to be sort of an Andrew Garfield type brooding figure like that. Who's like really like really respects our protagonist, but also has kind of an ego in the game. And that ego gets in between the two characters. And has also you know? realized that, the main character is manipulative. Oh, of course. Yeah, because there's all of this like crazy head games going on. I, I think that there could be like a really good frenemy sort of like t- tested relationship there. You know, <laughs> definitely. I love it. So, so what do you want this this final matchup to look like? And what are the stakes? Well, I mean, I think that like the the sort of holy grail move. I, I think that there are going to be like various escalating badass iterations of this but like when the four square when the the ball goes like impossibly out of bounds right. you know and then someone has to like lay out for it you know and, and it's like, just black and like scoop it back yeah yeah, get yeah and it's skin just shredded off their bone <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're going to have, like, really cool uniforms or whatever. Like, they're going to have cool shoulder protections to keep that from happening. Because I don't want it to be, like, like they're really, like, masochistically going into this game <laughs> or anything. But, like, I think, like, it is going to be, like, fucking raw, man. Like, they're going to have to do some layouts. They're going to have to do some, like, real intense acrobatics in this game. You know, It's going to be, like, you know, like, the typical Foursquare game to this is kind of like the typical like you're playing ping pong with your friends versus like Olympic ping pong oh you my know God, yeah. where they're like st- way back from the they're just doing like crazy crazy shit like right. I don't think that there's such thing as like ambitious <laughs> foursquare in this world but like there like be. if there if there was Olympic level foursquare like this would be it like they're just like going fucking crazy you know yeah I picture them playing with a smaller ball than we're used to too so it's just going super fast right <laughs> yeah so, so rather than your your classic like kickball red ball you're thinking like a one of those like still inflated rubber like softball size ones like the stingers yeah a stinger i think that would be that would be fantastic yeah and and oh and there could be like someone who's like really good at that bullshit clapping thing where he's (laughs) able to like throw it up really really far and accurately and like he's able to like he can do that thing where like like he flaps hands separately (laughs) and they clap on their own so he gets like double the the, claps in he's like the world's fastest clapper yeah kurt toast I I think that was his name. I remember seeing videos of him and he was like the most arrogant person I've ever seen in my life. And his one skill was that he could clap faster than anybody in the world. And he had like turned that into this Uh, massive ego boost. That would make me arrogant too, man. (laughs) Especially if you combine that with Foursquare. Oh yeah. No, that I, I love that as like, as like one of the minor villains along the way, somebody who just, I mean, I think there could be a whole series of, really specialized players yeah like there's somebody who's just you know a tank and can 
just smoke the ball every time yeah. he hits it. And as I mentioned before, the finesse player that just puts ridiculous amounts of spin on the ball. Yeah, yeah. No, you can get lots of styles, you know. Right. It maybe is like kind of like a traditionally like nerdy man, like well, boy dominated world but like there's like the occasional kind of like alternative chick who's like really really fucking good at it too right you right. know and like has a has her own total totally different style of play you know i also kind of like the idea of of the protagonist going to like these these schools that all teach different methods and kind of learning to perfect that one technique yeah and so that he can he can be the master of all of them in order to take yeah like the final he, he boss. does his homework right yeah right. It's, it's not just that he's really talented and has like we're rooting for him and he's got grit but he also does his homework. he's right. like he's he's in the court longer than anyone else and, oh, and yeah. shows up earlier than everyone else you know <laughs> could there be one of those scenes in the finale where it's just like a a total stalemate they're both perfectly evenly matched but then suddenly equations appear in the air in front of the protagonist <laughs> you can just see the brain engine moving it goes He's into calculating yes. a brand new four square move goes into super slow motion you can hear his thoughts you could hear all the teachers from the past all <laughs> echoing in his minds yeah maybe he has sort of a mind palace like he can he's able to sort of like um achieve this this great calm um <laughs> You know, maybe like one of those little like singing bowls kind of like tinkles and and suddenly everything is quiet and he's just entered this like fugue state where he's just like fucking in the zone at Foursquare. Right. And it's it's right as that that classic shot that like just barely grazes the corner and then is going impossibly far out of bounds. And he yeah. knows that he's at a huge advantage and suddenly life comes to a standstill and everything yeah. that he's learned up until that point. There'll be a lot of good, like, time-freezing or ultra-slow-mo kind of shots in this, I think. Oh, man. Now, if you had just told me straight up that you were going to do a Foursquare movie, I would have foolishly said that I don't think that Foursquare is a super cinematic sport, but I have really been so happy to be proven wrong, Will. There's poetry in the game, let me tell you. There is. Poetry in the game and poetry in that pitch. Ship it off, man. Thanks. Let's ship it. Beautiful. All right, Jacob, you're you're up. All right, it's my turn. I have come from the on deck circle after being in the hole, and I'm now in the batter's box. Nice, nice. Um, so as I mentioned very rudely, interrupting the beginning of Luke's pitch, uh, he had told me that he was doing a volleyball pitch before the movie started, or before the podcast started. Excuse me. Um, and I actually am. My pitch will start off as somewhat of a volleyball movie. So our protagonist is a a hotshot college volleyball player uh, named uh, Chad Jansen. Ah, nice. So I'd just like to point out, Jacob, this is your second pitch that started with a hotshot college volleyball player. <laughs> <laughs> Got something on the mind? <laughs> Maybe I'm projecting a little bit. Maybe I wish that I'd been a hotshot volleyball player in college. Uh, don't we all? No, I don't just we I think it's... I think it's a very cinematic uh, protagonist role. You got your your big beefy jock who plays volleyball, and his name Chad, which just got a it's butt very that goes on that for days. He's got <laughs> he's got a a booty with no cootie. That doesn't make any sense. I know what you're getting at, though. No quotas. Yes. Sure. So. Uh, <laughs> 
So uh, Chad is a standout volleyball player. He's a he's the he's the classic BMO, BMOC big man on campus. Sure, yeah. The ladies love Chad. Chad is is not only a, a volleyball a great volleyball player, but also uh, studies quantum mechanics. Strike oh, that. Man. Studies engineering. That's a studies, real major. He studies studies something that has uh, he's he. Something that has to do with uh, <laughs> magnetic fields <laughs> for the purposes oh, okay. of this pitch. Yeah, <laughs> he's getting uh, bachelors in magnets. <laughs> yeah, what's up with magnets? Why do they work? Why do he's they learning. work? Yeah, he listened to that insane clown posse song when he was young, and he it really got to him. He's like, you know, how do, how do magnets work? Insane clown posse. That's a great question. So uh, Chad is he's juggling. <laughs> Juggling work and play, as it were. Uh, we see him in the lab working with his magnets, and we see him on the volleyball court. Uh, he's doing a good job of juggling these two things. But then something happens in a volleyball oh. game, and Chad, sadly, uh, breaks both of his hips uh, <laughs> on a particularly horrible layout. Uh, he is... Much in, in the way that you have that classic shot in your Foursquare movie where the protagonist is diving for a ball that is, by all rights and purposes, out of out of reach. Chad does the same thing. It's a very important point. He takes a tumble. He lands on a, a really a rigid water bottle. Oh, no. And it just it's Oof. it snaps both of his hips oh, right then and there. Hey, Jacob. Yes. I'm devastated. Uh-huh. But I'm thinking maybe you could turn it up a notch. So you should okay. also foreshadow that his number one hobby is hula hooping. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Chad does. To you just put some tears in my eyes. That's <laughs> what Chad does to decompress after a tough day in the magnets lab or on the volleyball court. Is he he goes home and he hula hoops. Uh, he That's all fa- he did with his mom before she passed. <laughs> before she passed in a tragic... Uh, yeah, a tragic water bottle accident. So this is <laughs> it's bringing a, a lot of really bad memories to the forefront all all in one. They're just kind of cascading on him. Oh, uh, his favorite musical artist is Shakira. Uh Oh no. Favorite song being of course Hips Don't Lie. But uh despite what Shakira says in that song, his hips they betray him. Oof. And they snap. That's heavy. Like a, a couple like a couple twigs. Oof. So Chad wakes up in the uh, in the hospital, and he's had a double hip replacement. He's got some some titanium hips. Uh, now Chad has to go through some pretty intensive physical therapy to to you know he still, although he has broken both of his hips and they were so badly broken by that that gosh darn water bottle that they both had to be replaced. He still wants to get back out on that court. Volleyball is his passion. Volleyball is his life. And he, uh, he just can't imagine going on without it. So he goes through physical therapy. He gets back on campus. Fortunately, uh, he's still able to work in his magnet lab with some protective gear on. Because, you know, those those metal hips and the magnets, uh, they're not going oh, sure. to yeah. have a good time together. But he, he has a system worked out so that he can still work with his magnets. And although he, he tries and he tries and he gets a lot of his strength back, he's he's never he's not the same as he was on the volleyball court. So he puts all of his passion into uh, into the magnet lab. And uh, he's working on this particularly tough 
problem that he is he's encountered uh creating a new electromagnet and he's working away working away working away at the at the lab and he just he can't figure it out you know he's got to get this electromagnet figured out in time for the in time for the final test and then uh, does he gonna, uh, remember to carry a certain zero by any chance <laughs> No, our, our wow. favorite digit. It's amazing that you'd bring that up because he wakes up after a really hard day in the lab, sweating from every pore of his body, having dreamed That's how about I always carrying zeros. <laughs> you might want to get that checked out. Oh, man, yeah, you gotta just learn to only sleep with the sheet, I guess. Or just like get a fan. Yeah, seriously, Luke. <laughs> That's it's gotta be uncomfortable. It's gotta be slick. It's gotta be sliding out of your bed every Every One of those night. nice pillows that are cooling, you know, I, have the bamboo charcoal in them. I would do all of these things if I didn't already sleep in a nice bath. Oh, um, man. That sounds like a pretty serious problem. We're gonna have sounds to, like you're just a classic hot sleeper. <laughs> we're going to have to talk about this classic. off air because I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried for you. Uh, but yeah, Chad is not normally a hot sleeper like you are, Luke. So this is, uh, this is unusual. <gasps> but he wakes up in a sweat. And he realizes, uh, as he was doing equations in his dream, that he had forgotten to carry a zero. Ah. So he rushes back <laughs> into the magnet lab, and he carries that zero, and wouldn't you know it, the electromagnet is magnetized. Oh. <laughs> but it's not just magnetized. It is super magnetized. Oh, no. Wait. Is that good? Yeah, at first he thinks it's good, but then it just like it starts getting more and more magnetized. And so he gets really worried. <laughs> so he picks up this magnet with his with his hands and he tries to cover it up in the in the classic uh oh no, I've done it now. I've got to I got to <laughs> hide this move. And the, the gosh darn thing explodes. Oh no. And his hands are imbued with electromagnetism. Oh my god. Now, I know what you might be thinking. That would Volleyballs be kind of aren't a cool made of metal. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Luke, you're like two steps ahead of me. Uh, volleyballs usually aren't made of metal. You're totally right about that. Um, but, although it might seem like this would be a cool superpower with electromagnetic hands, you've forgotten one thing. Those hips. Oh. In his haste to make it back to the lab, he has forgotten to put on his uh, protective garb. Oh boy. And oh boy. So his hands are immediately attracted to his hips. And oh. there they stick. Not oh to be moved. God. Forever. Well, maybe, maybe not. This is uh, this is obviously a problem. Having your hands stuck to your hips all the time, especially for somebody who's hoping to get back in the volleyball game. So Chad goes to the doctor and he's like, Hey doctor, there was this explosion in my magnets lab and now my hands are very magnetized and my hips <laughs> are metal. Yeah, hold up. Isn't that yes. something you could just throw into WebMD? <laughs> <laughs> he he could if he had the hands. Oh uh, right, to right, type right, it right. Into I'm sorry. Doctor it's... was like, well, "Why are you wasting my time here? I've seen five patients today with far greater magnetism and hips." <laughs> but the thing is, he hasn't seen anybody with uh, stronger magnetism because Chad has created the strongest magnet ever made. 
Oh yeah, he's a magnet scientist. So is he's a he, magnet scientist. When he goes out and about, is he like attracting cars and trains and shit to well, his hips as gonna, well? Uh, <laughs> the thing about that is the uh, <laughs> somehow the magnetic force in his hands is equaled and canceled out, sort of, by the the titanium in his hips. Sure, yeah. <laughs> in a classic, like when you have two two magnets uh-huh. and they kind of repel each other, but then if they're being attracted in the middle. It works out. It works it's, out. It's it's a classic case of magnetic canceling. Look it up. <laughs> so yeah, think. you ignorant, <laughs> Jacob. So I, I have to yes. imagine that these magnets are pulling on the metal in a way that also somehow affects his hip bones. Now, if Chad wasn't so strong, that might be the case. But actually, as a matter of fact, I mean, it kind of is. It, not to the not to the point where it's uh, like actually causing structural damage to his body. But they are kind of drawing his hips to his hands in such a way that would make it even more difficult for them to uh, get those hands off those hips. Um, so does he have to, like, sort of pull his, his legs around with his arms now, like a marionette? <laughs> like he's his own puppet? He doesn't have he to. really strong. He doesn't have to, but he can, which does make him very strong and specifically makes his legs very strong and makes his legs very powerful. So, he goes to a number of doctors and tries to get this figured out, but anytime they uh, they get a scalpel in there to try to, you know, clear things up, the scalpel just ends up sticking. And so, <laughs> so he's got like 15 <laughs> scalpels just <laughs> hanging out down there. Yeah, very dangerous. Makes wearing most pants pretty tough for him. But So uh, does he start to wear chaps? <laughs> sure, he wears, he wears hipless chaps. Uh, which unfortunately only come hipless and assless. I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. So you're saying he's just wearing a loincloth? <laughs> <laughs> well, even a loincloth has, has, you know, it has booty cover, doesn't it? Or am I thinking of the wrong kind of loincloth? I don't know. He wears just kind of like a cod piece, I guess. <laughs> a cod piece and then really, really long socks. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Chad's journey isn't over. So he he's he's real down about this cuz not only can he not play volleyball now, he can't really do his magnetics work. Like he tries making it work with his feet for a while, but his toes just aren't long enough to do the the requisite work. So he decides after exhausting all of his other options to uh go to the far east to try to find some answers and try to, you know, do some soul searching. Hmm. And so he ends up in Thailand. Oh. Okay. Which is a place there. which is a place where that our dear friend Will, yes. Well, Jacob is well acquainted with. Yes. This has some Doctor Strange vibes to it. <laughs> Actually he kinda does have a lot of Doctor Strange <laughs> vibes to it. In the whole like hands being super necessary for your livelihood and being really good at that stuff. And then also the going to the Far East to look for answers. It's this is not associated with the Marvel cinematic universe though. Okay. And Benedict Cumberbatch will not star because I've already used him as the star in one of my pitches. Are you saying there will be no people who can control ants? I'm not saying that there definitely won't be people who can control ants. Good. Uh, I'll list Just I'll that up to no. your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, in any case, Chad's in Thailand and he uh, is just kind of doing a little bit of a walkabout and he comes across this playing field. And there are these people who are playing a game. A game that seems familiar, but at the same time, very different from his beloved <laughs> game of volleyball. 
Do you have any idea what game I might be talking about? I do. You're talking about the version of handball that's volleyball with your feet? I'm talking about, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, Sipak Takra. (laughs) No, that was perfect. (laughs) That was it, yeah. That was it. So, (laughs) he discovers the game. As Luke describes it, it's basically, it's volleyball with like a wicker ball, but you can't use your hands. So you got to use your feet and you got to use your head and stuff, but you can't use your hands. So uh, Chad is just, he's blown away by this and uh, is instantly very intrigued. And he, he tries it out. He's not very good at it at first, but his natural uh, ball over net instincts kick in eventually and with his burgeoning uh leg leg and foot control he's he's quickly able uh to start dominating the sport hell yeah and uh along the way he meets a lovely young lady and this lovely young lady appears (laughs) no we're not going to go down that route she she has what seems to be a similar affliction (laughs) oh wait though (laughs) yes luke Never mind. You say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might think that this would be a beautiful moment where their uh, afflictions cancel out, but it's... Is it an opposites attract scenario? I mean, in some ways, yes, but not in the magnetic way. Oh, never mind. It's it's, the the truth of the matter is very stupid, which is that she she was a glue developer. (laughs) (laughs) Who developed a super strong, a very, very strong super glue. And then uh, her pants were falling down, so she tried to pull her pants back up and her her hands got super glued to her sides. Is she a Thai native or did she also just come to the Far East for answers? She is from Botswana. And yes, she has come to Thailand for answers. Uh, As you do. So so Chad, um, he's gotten somewhat of a new lease on life. He's found two loves, one in the game of Sipak Takra and one on this lovely uh, hand stuck to her Botswanan woman. And together they form the most formidable Sipak Takra team that Thailand has ever seen. And I don't know how to end this pitch. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I, well, guess they, you I mean, could they probably have there. to fall in love, right? Well, I, yeah, that was established. They have fallen in love. Yeah. I think we should definitely have like a very long sex scene where they're like attempting <laughs> to undress each other with their feet and then engage in fourth play with their feet. Well, at this point, both of them have gotten very good with their toes. So <laughs> Quentin Tarantino can direct just that part. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's get Quentin on to direct the whole movie. I don't think he's ever. I know he has never done a. Like a, a pure sports movie, so I'd like to see what his take on this uh, this plot that I'd set up would be. Oh, I fear that there would be a lot more death in his version of it. But you know what? If Quentin's at the helm, I'm going to give him a fair amount of creative control. I mean, obviously the core of the movie is there, but uh, how do you think Quentin Tarantino would end the movie? Well, he would probably have a bunch of those sort of dumb like intermission cards okay that would flash up on the screen mm-hmm. and he'd probably have samuel L. jackson come in okay and be like hey look no hands or something like that <laughs> i don't know 
The the real question though is which role would he play? Quentin uh, always likes to shoehorn himself into the he movie. Could be, yeah, he, he, he could be like a tuk tuk driver. There you go. That'd be great. And he also he, came a, to Thailand to yeah. fix some weird medical condition, which also involves him getting his hand stuck to his side, which is why he a tuk tuk is like kind of like a rickshaw, right? Yeah, yeah, similar. But with a is it with a bike? Or it's with I? a bike. Okay. Yeah, it's with a bike. So he'll he'll his feet are stuck riding. to the bike pedals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he'll talk. He'll tell some long story. In some sort long, of boring, like, uh, and very distracting story. A but, very a long yarn right. in, in typical uh, Tarantino fashion. fashion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like in the end, probably somebody would have to like saw their arm off at the wrist and live the rest of their lives with prosthetic hands, which is actually a pretty decent fix for the problem. Can I, I, yeah. I thought that you were going to say this other woman had also invented a magnet, but it had opposite <laughs> polarization or whatever it's called, so yeah. that the magnets forced each other apart when they got near. But then uh. their hands were stuck together. <laughs> no, they just couldn't fully get near each other. They repelled each other. Oh, so then they were the same polarization. Yeah. Because if they're yeah. opposites, that then up. that would be, that would be really beautiful. Because uh, opposites attract and all that. I feel like a fool for having not gotten that bachelor's in magnets. Luke, magnets are very complicated. That's That's why there are entire college programs that are. I understood. You only took the survey course on magnets. That's that's fine. Um, Intro to magnets is one thing, but no, but you could have like a really good uh, unrequited love, you know, situation there where like they they heal each other's afflictions, but they can't actually consummate their love because they're they're repelled. So they can, so they like need each other to heal, but they can only be like three feet away from each other. You know, that's like the optimal. That's but heartbreaking. They both have really long lizard tongues, so they can still French kiss. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because for some reason, no, that's yeah. that's Quentin Tarantino's. Uh, it's somehow related to how he got his feet stuck to his. <laughs> To the pedals <laughs> is that he developed a super long lizard tongue and he implants them in both of them. Oh man! And so they, they, can, uh, they all needed each other. They can twine tongues. Yeah, I guess it turns out that Quentin Tarantino is playing a pretty big role in this movie, as opposed to his usual <laughs> it's also like super distracting one-time character. Less of a sports movie and and more of a, a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> unrequited love story. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it wasn't really that much of a sports movie to begin with because I got wrapped up in all of the other stupid details of Chad's life. Well, Quentin Tarantino well, would film some incredible martial arts-inspired sports scenes. That's true. And, and I mean, that's that's largely the reason that I picked C-Fact Takra because it's amazing to watch. Like, the people that are good at it are next-level athletes. Like, the, the way that they're able to contort their body... It's it's absolutely unbelievable, yeah. and I think that Quentin could definitely do some very interesting things with that. But yeah, uh, listeners, choose any one of those endings that you want that makes it most satisfying or most sadistically interesting for you. <laughs> and uh, or let you us know, know. email us a separate ending for any one of our three pitches. Please do, and please feel free to do that on any episode. Other than ones that we're really happy with, and we state that we're really happy with, so we'll get horribly offended if you try to retro end our movies. Well, uh, I ship it. I ship it too. Are, are you ready to ship it off, Jacob? I'm ready for it to take its spiritual journey 
first to Thailand, then into Quentin Tarantino's mailbox. Yes. All right. What are we doing next week? That is a great question, Will. Did we even come up <laughs> with what we're doing? We sure didn't. But animated film is what we're doing next week. Nice. There it we're is. Doing folks. An animated film. We're doing animated films. Pixar, watch your butts because we're going to come. We're going to yep. be pitch <laughs> pitchar. We're going to be <laughs> pitchar. That's right, folks. Where can they find us? Well, our website is pitchhunt.org. You can email any one of us at our names at pitchhunt.org. That's that's Jacob at pitchhunt.org. Luke at pitchhunt.org. Will at pitchhunt.org. And if you're into the whole social media thing, apparently that's a trend these days. You can find us at pitch underscore hunt. YOLO. Uh, <laughs> yo YOLO. And most importantly, <laughs> stay stay pitchy. Stay pitchy. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.